0: welcome to movie moments discussing the greatest movies of all time plus all the newest films in theaters and streaming like us rate us share us here are your hosts mike rags and chuck curry
1: well hello again everybody we are back for another edition of movie moments mike rags and chuck curry talking about the greatest movies of all time wherever you may listen spotify uh Apple, wherever you download your podcast, welcome aboard. We've got a great show lined up for you today. It's a a full hour of Chuck and Rags. we have had some great interviews. So if you haven't caught some of our archived episodes over the last few weeks, go back and check them out. Uh, Talk to a lot of stars around the world of Hollywood. But today, it's just going to be Chuck and I, and we'll discuss later on, movie roles that have been played by multiple people who's been good, who's been bad, and the reason that spawned the topic is because of Wonka Uh, in theaters this weekend getting some decent buzz, going to get some decent movie receipts. I know Chuck's going to see it later on this weekend as well. Uh, so Wonka opens up with Timothy Chalamet as the legendary Willy Wonka before Gene Wilder. Uh, let's bring him in right now. Chuck Curry. Uh, Chuck, let's start right there. The buzz is decent. What's what's the box office going to be like?
0: Uh, Wonka is actually might, tracking at around a $35 million pre-Christmas weekend open, which uh, if it does that, That would be a very solid number because, like I said to you on the program last week, historically, box office really heats up uh, the week between Christmas and New Year's. So if you get out of the gate before Christmas, you're in pretty good shape. I got a feeling it's going to beat the expectation of $35 million. The reviews are actually very positive. I've watched numerous people who I respect and like or sort of trust their reviews on YouTube. And uh, I got to tell you, most of them felt the film was extremely charming and they had a great time. Watching it is certainly appealing from what they say to family audiences. I don't think there's much edge to it, but it's from the director, Paul uh, King, of Paddington 1 and 2. Those films were very well received. Um, I'm going to probably see it today or tomorrow. I'll talk about it on next week's program. So I think Wonka could be very accessible to family audiences this Christmas season. Let's see how this plays out.
1: And the early buzz on Aquaman for next weekend, is it catching any kind of... Momentum at all, or are we just looking at another uh, superhero crash and burn?
0: Well, I don't know about a crash and burn because I, I think it's tracking like you stated last week, uh, like thirty-five to fifty million dollar opening weekend. I got to be honest with you, Mike. In full disclosure, I don't know any buzz on this film because I don't think there is buzz. I don't think it's been screened yet, or if it was, there's no embargo lifted. It's not like Warner Brothers is, you know, uh, getting out early reviews because they feel they have a monumental winner on their hands. You know, Jason Momoa stated in an interview that I just read. They asked him in a press interview, uh, what is the status of you doing Aquaman Uh, author curry uh in future films and he says it doesn't look good. No kidding, uh Jason. I mean we all know he's not gonna he's not gonna be Aquaman anymore. You know, James Gunn uh was full stead on the reboot. I mean this talks to him doing Lobo, which is a villain in that universe. Personally, I know he looks like the character, but if you take the same actor who has a really bulking, interesting screen presence, and you take it from the hero Aquaman and you make him a villain lobo? I, I just don't think that's a good idea. You have thoughts on that one, or am I wrong?
1: I, I don't even know who the hell you're talking about. I've never seen Me any neither. of the movies, so I don't even care to be honest with you. I, yeah. can you believe that? I've not seen one Aquaman movie at all? Well, it's
0: only been one, and then he's been in the justice League. Listen, right. I thought the first and, and listen, I gotta be honest, I thought the first Aquaman. Was flawed, but I thought I did think it had a lot of entertainment value and it was big in scope, and I sort of enjoyed it. Was I clamoring for multiple sequels? Uh, I gotta say no. Listen, I I still say in retrospect, doing the Justice League movie was a massive mistake. They simply should have did standalone Superman movies, standalone Batman movies, throw in a Wonder Woman movie here or there. But they intertwined those characters way, way too fast, and they blew up their own universe. Uh, You know, as we stated the superman legacy movie which will hit theaters in 2025 will be an extremely important movie for comic books on the DC side because if they botch that one mike all bets are off and everything will crash and burn in that uh, DC well
1: there's universe. still a lot of time I mean, between there's still a lot of time is. between now and then so i if anything it might resuscitate something because right now it just seems like the
0: genre is on its very very last last breath I got time. I got another thing I got another thing that I that I read I want your opinion on this. Uh, it was an article that said Sony, which controls, you know, the Spider-Man franchise, they, yes. they sell it they sell it off the Marvel when they want Spider-Man and they cut a deal uh, right. with that. But uh, there's the the, the the article stated that Sony, uh, because all these studios are fixated on the multiverse and the multi characters, they just don't have confidence in the standalone movie anymore. So it appears that Sony. Uh, when they do Spider-Man Four with um, uh, what's his what's his name? <laughs> Tom Holland. Tom Holland, yeah. That they want poor aqu- uh, Ant-Man in the movie also, and then a few other characters. Like, I mean, to 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 combine Spider-Man and Ant-Man in the same movie, I guess is cool. But like,
1: well, they, they, were, in, uh, they were in it's all multiverse
0: and multiple characters. They all they they all want. Team up so just just so Unconfident about a standalone Movie
1: yeah well because know. it's Not getting out bigger the last One that they did right so
0: I, I Know and, how I know how excited you Are about Madam
1: Whip. no oh uh, yeah Well actually I showed the Preview to my daughter she was Excited Um, but I am not nor am I Excited about um uh, the, the new movie on Apple that basically says we are True lies we're just gonna throw Kids in it Marky Mark in the Family plan Apple plus this weekend, Chuck, um, again, in an alternate universe, this would be a theatrical release. Uh, instead him and Michelle Monaghan fight terrorists in Vegas and he's got the kids towing along. I don't know, Chuck. I mean, James Bond in a minivan, maybe, but it's interesting that this movie goes straight to Apple plus And, and it's just to me, when I see the preview, I, I can't, it, it, it just screams true lies.
0: Well, let me ask you a question. Um, out of every 10 million people who theoretically could see a movie in a theater, how many people ultimately on Apple are going to watch this movie?
1: It's free. If you have subscription, I will say no, that. No, I understand. I, yeah, I understand
0: I, that. But how many people in its entirety from beginning to end will actually sit down, watch that movie, and tell somebody what they thought of it? A couple hundred I, thousand?
1: Maybe. Out of every 10 people, maybe four. Right, and uh, every ten viewers it could get, maybe four would sit down in one viewing have, and watch that it. That
0: all. have a That have a subscription. It have, have a subscription. Yeah, you're not going to buy Apple Plus it, for this movie. But in but I gotta I've got to tell you, I do have an Apple prescri- subscription, but I I lost the password, and I haven't been watching Apple probably for, uh, at least five months. Yeah, there's not much on there. I mean, I
1: watched the morning show that with Jennifer Aniston and Reese Witherspoon just finished up another season. There's a couple other things on there I watch, but uh, I mean, this movie I could turn on. I'll watch it, but I I can't. I don't know. I can't get too excited about it, but it is out on Apple Apple Plus. I do want to bring up a movie that I did watch on stream that is a new movie and did catch a lot of buzz this past week. And that's Leave the World Behind, the Julia Roberts, Ethan Hawke, uh, Kevin Bacon film, um that hit Netflix it did hit some theaters a few weeks ago now it's on Netflix and i got to tell you chuck for apocalyptic doomsday movies that come and go this one really stood out to me I, it was not afraid to pull any punches it went the whole 9 yards uh, it's got a real inventive ending and the leads are so good uh in the film too including uh not only uh, the stars uh julie roberts by the way is just phenomenal in this movie she looks really Really good too. Good. Ethan Hawke as well. Kevin Bacon's got a couple of extended uh, cameos in the film, but it it just about a family that goes to the Hamptons for the weekend, and all the world around them gets destroyed, and they're trying to keep up with what could possibly be wrong around the world. And uh, you know they're getting up. It really reminded me a lot of signs that old M Night Shyamalan yeah. movie, which came out uh, a few years ago about aliens, basically around the same thing but Marshal Ali shows up at their front door telling them that things are going astray very much like a twilight zone episode, Chuck. Um, but it does show you glimpses of a world that could go wrong while you're getting the intimate feeling of a family going through it. Uh, scary, effective, real good stuff. I, I liked it a lot, Chuck. And again, I, for, you know, apocalypse movies, we get a lot. This one stood out for me for uh, mainly because of the, you got a lot of a list actors, in a in a story that, you know, you think is only going to go so far, but it doesn't. It actually goes the distance, and I, I really liked it about that.
0: I got two, two, uh, two questions for you because you sort of piqued my curiosity into seeing this film. One, what is, what is the tone of this movie? I guess my second question would be, what is the scale? Sk-
1: the scare factor is that what you're asking like is it scary
0: their information if it's just by him They don't have a tv or
1: radio no they do they do uh but yeah. all the one of the the way the terrorist attack Hits our country is they take out all cell phones they take out all communications oh, so, I got you. So part of what they're trying to do is gather some information while not really being able to touch the outside world So that 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 gets that element you know out of the way to begin with um but again it it's I think you'll (laughs) like it a lot because of the twilight zone feel it has to it. Um, and a real good cameo from Kevin Bacon too. I know he's got a couple of scenes, but there's a real good scene towards the end of the film where they try to get help from him. And he's one of these, uh, guys who's bunkered up. Um, but what I liked about it too, Chuck, it could lean political and it doesn't, it's very apolitical. It's a straight up fear factor kind of movie. It reminds me a lot of a quiet place as well. Not a lot of stars, uh, so not, a lot of, in you know, not a lot of bit parts, not a lot of characters you just focus on this family and a couple others. And, and, and it goes to show you too: good score, good um, tone, good pacing, uh scary, you know, topic. It's all you need, man. And this could have played in theaters and I know it did, but I mean, I think it could have been one of those, you know, Julia Roberts, tentpole pole pictures back in the summer of even when wow. she was, when she was a big star, I, you know, again. I know it's polarized some people, some people criticize the, 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 it, it kind of, you know, what it lets the viewer decide what really is going on in the world that they're, you know, what the apocalypse really is. Um, some people want that all mapped out for them, but I, I really, it, and it, the ending's really good too. The ending to me, you know, when you get a real solid, um, exclamation point at the end of a film much like a quiet place did when she cocks that that shotgun and it just goes fades to black that's all you need i really enjoyed how this movie end ended and i you know it's great to see a great actress age beautifully and still have the chops to carry a movie i mean you can say what you want about marshall ali and ali and ethan hogg i mean julia roberts is just you know it just goes to show you there are movie stars still left in the world chuck
0: that's good. Let's talk about the uh, the trailer that uh, Netflix dropped of uh, Beverly Hills Cop Axel F. Y- your opinion first.
1: Well, I think the first thing I said to you when I, I watched it uh, and I'm not going to lie, I'm not uh, you know, it, it does come up at the end. You see the Netflix only on Netflix and it's a you know, it's a head scratcher. But as I'm watching it and as the cast of characters get introduced during the two minute, you know, teaser, I got chills at the end. I really did. I thought it hit all the nostalgic notes. I thought it looked dark. It looked like it's going to be R rated. It's not going to be like Beverly Hills cop three. That's for sure. You got Paul Reiser, Bronson Pinchot, the two cops at the end and Kevin Bacon's going to be the bad guy here. And he looks great. He always does. Uh, the theme song. I mean, much like Maverick, it felt like that. It felt like, Oh my God, if they can pull this off for two hours, uh, the feeling I got in this trailer, then they're going to be in good shape Again, unlike maverick i wish it was a june 30th release for the 4th of july and we're all going to the theaters to see it i get that so temper some of your expectations but on its own for the two minutes i watched it i'm not gonna lie i was excited about it i showed it my daughter my daughter was excited about it she's a big fan of the original so i know for what it's worth i know it's a netflix movie and that bums us all out i think it looks good
0: i did too um i for the most part like what i saw I, I thought they could have added a little bit more humor in the trailer. There are glimpses of, of humor. And I think that's what made the first one so special, you know, hardcore action and and Eddie Murphy's uh, brand of humor. That was a per- perfect concoction for one of the greatest blockbuster movies of uh, all time. I, I will say that, you know, knowing this might only be on flat- Netflix to me is a somewhat of a bummer. I, you know, I, I'm at a point in my life where it's still hard for me to wrap my brain around movies like this being only on streaming having said that i do think what they'll do at least i think it'll be released theatrically in some theaters there'll be no marketing campaign for that'll it primarily be you know you know it'd be great great chuck
1: they did me. that if they did that and it opened up 60 million dollars people found it went to it and said screw that i'm going to the theaters to go see it i know it's got it to be uh, in enough screens to probably do something like that but it would be phenomenal if they just out sh- just showed everybody, put this in the theaters. Let's just go see this in the theaters. I agree. I mean, why I know, can't why can't Netflix produce
0: movies that just go right to the theaters? I don't understand that. Well, they can. I mean, obviously, listen, they could cut they could cut a deal and maybe do a two week window. You know, they've done this before. Like they have. Uh, right, right at the c- cusp of Covid ending, they did that. I mean, when they released the Gray Man, they did put that in some that did play in some multiplexes. It did. It was just, no marketing campaign to tell you it was in multiplexes. You look, I mean, you went online to see what was at your local theater, and you go, "Oh, the gray man, which is a two hundred million dollars movie on Netflix, is also in my multiplex, meaning it it did no business primarily in theaters. I mean, it was a dog in theaters. It did get watched on Netflix. But again, a two hundred million dollars movie that uh, is, is goes straight to streaming, to me is a weird aberration. It just feels distorted and 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 almost I don't want to use a word. feels almost like a sin. But if you're a movie fan and you're hawking back to, you know, great collective experiences in theaters and then you realize you got filmmakers like the Russo brothers doing a $200 million film that plays only on Netflix and is dumped in a few uh, multiplexes with no walk in the campaign. It's sort of weird, but I guess it's the world we live and we got to get used to it. But I do have high hopes for this Beverly Hills Cop movie. It does look good. One other trailer briefly. And we'll it's got uh,
1: Jason Gordon-Levitt, too. Let's not ignore yeah, him as well. Yeah, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. So yeah, good to Joseph see him, too. too yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, there was a trailer to a, a family film called If Ryan Reynolds is the star, the uh, the little girl from The Walking Dead who played Judith is the mm-hmm. young uh, female kid lead in this film is directed by John Krasinski. Gr- Gr- it does feel somewhat original. I think it's going to make a lot of money, Mike. It's, yeah. a, good, it's a good trailer. Uh, if you like family films, uh, this is right in the wheelhouse. And I got to tell you, Ryan Reynolds, after he did Deadpool, uh, he's like a locomotive that do almost no wrong. The power he's gained in the industry has been incredible. I mean, he's well, cutting deals left and right and making huge money, and has creative control over just about every project he's involved in. Yeah, and and it's streak,
1: Even the miniseries, uh, the documentary series he's doing with uh, with uh, with the guy from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia, the the soccer. Team That they bought that struck gold Free guy very 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 good movie he did a, a year and a half Ago Um, I like spirited The Christmas movie he did the musical with Will Ferrell which is on Apple plus right now if you Want to watch it for the holidays I'm always been A fan of, uh, of Ryan Reynolds and you leaving you're, you're burying the lead here the voice of If is Steve Carell too right So John Krasinski goes to the well Gets his old Michael Scott to come back and Be part of that movie I think it Looks highly enjoyable it's The type of movie that you know uh, we clamor for at times And we don't get enough of um, And to have Ryan Reynolds in the lead To me is perfect Although he is still making Deadpools too So for the people that like that um, You're going to get both sides of Ryan Reynolds You and I are really big fans of Definitely Maybe uh, And the guy yes. can show his He shows his range I,
0: know, he, Listen, the guy, I always felt the guy was tremendously talented I'm not a big fan of Deadpool I know it's a very popular character Here's here's something to bounce off Fandango's most anticipated movies Mike of 2024 the, These in no particular order But uh, Deadpool 3 Beetlejuice 2 Ghostbusters Frozen City Dune 2 Venom 3 Gladiator 2 uh, A Quiet Place Day 1 Is there, uh, there a movie that doesn't
1: Is there a movie that doesn't
0: have a number Attached <laughs> no it, it appears No it, it appears No um, Well let's add if to the list
1: let's do that We'll add if yeah if to the list how about that That's got no numbers and who knows, but it's, you know, yeah. a, you you know you want to give praise and all the pats in the back to Ryan Reynolds, but how about the guy who's yeah. writing and directing these movies too? Like, who would have thought Jim from the office talk yeah. about getting clout in, in Hollywood is now the power broker that he is. And, and we're going to talk about him a little bit later on when we talk about characters played by the same, uh, different person, but John Krasinski, my gosh, um, I would have never guessed it. I mean, I loved him in the office, but, uh, he's grown up to be a, a, a big time
0: power broker in Hollywood. Oh, no doubt. And listen, I think in 10 years, if we're still doing this, um, we're going to be talking about him directing some major, major projects in, in the industry. I mean, I could see him, you know, getting, uh, being offered a Star Wars movie and event. You yep. know, he's going to do big, big movies. Well, I hope he sticks to originality because, uh, you know, the industry certainly does need it. that. He's good. Well, and, he is really, and you really, and I... really good.
1: For all its shortcomings of the, the second Quiet Place, it's not because it's poorly directed, it's not because it doesn't have style and scares, and it, 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 it's just a retread. It, it's just that yeah, it hasn't been the there film. done that, yeah.
0: F- feel listen now, This Quiet Place, day one, I think has potential because I think if they just stick with the uh, so, sort of the material that was the first 10 minutes, yeah, of the last of, installment, of the second one, yeah, I yeah. think that would gain a lot. Of, that's the movie I want to see. I don't want to see the intimate stuff. We saw that in the original quiet place, like I said, and you just stated, the second one had merit, but it's just, we've seen it before. And, uh, and it sort of, it sort of started to bore me about the, you know, the the, the half hour mark on. So absolutely, uh, let's see where that franchise goes. Speaking of franchises, in terms of some movie news, I was reading an article, uh, that 20th century Fox, which is now owned by Disney, their new planet apes film, kingdom of the planet apes. Uh, They are positioning as a new trilogy. It takes place like 100 years later after the last installment. So the character of Caesar will be nowhere uh, to be found. Listen, a lot of people love that trailer. We both found it to be like there's no human involvement in that trailer. So, uh, you know, listen, we grew up on the original five films uh, as well made as the last three films have been, and they've been extremely well made, especially the last two, although I like yeah. the first one. I the think best... the first one has some merit. I did. I yes, did like I, do. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do. Yeah, I do. But in terms of thought provoking, uh, entertainment, nothing's going to beat those first no. four films in the original no. franchise from the 1970s.
1: Well, with that news, you just gave the first thing yeah. that came to mind is, oh, there's going to be three of them. Like automatically. I'm like, really? I mean, how do we know there's going to be three of them already? And that's just that I'm already tired. And the first the first of the trilogy has not even been released. That's the kind of news that who gets excited about. I just don't understand these how I don't, they make these press releases. Is there someone sitting at home? Like, Oh my God, I loved
0: every single ape movie. They're going to make three more for me. It, it It's just like, I, 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 I got to tell you, I, I think these movies will be what they call generational. They're going to have to find almost a completely new they will. audience to uh, market them to. Now, speaking of something I know you love, uh, Zack Snyder's Rebel Moon. Which, oh, uh, yeah. Hit Dude, streaming, bring it to me. Anything Zack Snyder. Go ahead. Bring it to me. Next, hit streaming next week. Now, they screened this movie uh, and the uh, theatrically actually screened it on the big screen uh, for, for critics in advance. And the reaction is not good. Initially, it was like 9% positive. Now, it's about 23% positive. But most people, especially the top critics on Rotten Tomatoes, I'm not here to bash Zach Snyder. I, I I sort of like a lot of his work. Uh, we talked about this last week extensively. But um, this is probably not good for Netflix, the fact that they spent a ton of money and the reviews are, are pretty pedestrian or, or just bad. Um, they say it's a retread. It's the characters. uh not overly involving the action sequences are lukewarm. Um, so I know you're it's, excited. You know about. It's Rebel funny. Moon.
1: It's funny. Uh, I have no interest in seeing it whatsoever. It's funny that. that you bring up, but there's been a lot of Netflix, big tent pole action stuff that they've produced. That's gotten the same kind of lukewarm, not that big a deal. Um, whether it be the rock or Gal Gadot or Ryan right. or, or, or right. Chris Evans. And uh, you said it best last weekend. It's content. It's content. That's all it is. It's not, I, I sent the trailer to my dad of, mm-hmm. uh, of, uh, Beverly Hills cop, the new one. I sent it to him. I said, dad, I still remember sitting in a theater, seeing this with you in 1984. You and I went to see it and loved every minute of it, but this looks good too. So what I want to know is when we're older, when mm-hmm. we sit back and say, oh, when I was sitting on my couch and I saw leave the world behind, I, I mean, it's, I can remember it like it was yesterday though that, that. When you when you when you take people out of theaters when you take them when you prevent them from getting in their car driving somewhere and having a shared experience with a huge audience you lose that magic then that's you the do. magic that goes away now yeah okay. you can make great content I love Leave the World Behind I thought it was really good. Would mm-hmm. I have liked it better if I saw it in a even seeing something like Split back in the day before COVID and in a full packed house on a Friday night and Bruce Willis shows up at the end the movie's not great but the moment is and oh, yeah. those moments go away because of what, and, and unfortunately, I think there might be some moments in Axel Foley that yeah. we're missing out on because it won't be in theaters. Um, it came back Maverick. It did that. That was, you know, I got those feelings again. It, it, Barbie, I know a lot of
0: people, it can happen. It just used to happen every Friday, you know? Yes. I agree. And yeah, uh, what I want to expand off what you just said and, and sort of flip the psychology here. It, you mentioned split. Okay. When you're sitting in a theater at the end, watching that movie, Bruce Willis comes up, the theme to Unbreakable comes on. And you're saying to yourself, because I remember I, I was at the Cinemark in the XD screen in, in, in the Stroud Mall, Mike, in Strasbourg, watching that. And I remember to myself, looking at myself, uh, saying to myself, holy smoke, this is like, this is incredibly cool. And then my, my head goes left to right, trying to gauge the audience reaction to see if anybody understands or feel is feeling right, what right. I'm feeling in my mind's eye. And then getting back to a, a, a sort of a TV experience that was big. Let's go back, and we talked about this many times on the show. '83, you know, the day after, which it was a well-publicized cultural event of a TV movie. Now, mm-hmm. I still remember that vividly as a collective experience because I remember the next morning, people talking about that at yes. water coolers in schools, yes. and people walking down the block at a grocery store. You know, did you see that movie? That was incredible. Blah 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 you're not going to get the same experience in that water cooler talk off streaming content. It's just different.
1: Nope. It is. It is. And, and, and we talked to our daughters I don't know about yours, but mine, it's like, are the, you know, whenever there's a movie that we enjoyed and then she goes to school for the week, I'll ask her. So the kids talking about that movie we just watched and, and it's usually it's, it, it's crickets. It's not, you know, I still remember to this day going to school on Monday after seeing return of the Jedi and everybody's saying, oh, my God, I can't believe it's true. He's really his father. And, and we were all just like, you know, we didn't talk over the weekend on our cell phones texting. So Monday when you got to... Look, we probably sound like two old guys saying, get off our lawn. I get that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah. it, it, there's something to be said. No, about no, the no. Fact that, that, no. we're that, talking reality here. Yeah. Those moments, they, they kind of go away and, and it breaks my heart because when my daughter does experience it in theaters for that little inkling of a, you know, yeah. a, a, of a Chris Evans cameo and free guy and the audience goes nuts and mm-hmm. she's like, oh my God. And she goes nuts too. I said, Bella, you don't even understand, you know, these moments aren't as fleeting as they need to be. Uh, and, and that's, that's the, st- that I don't know where law Hollywood lost their way there. I just don't know, um, what happened or what went wrong. But the beauty is we go back and watch all movies. I'll say to her audience went nuts. there. crowd went crazy there. You know, when, when Arnold Schwarzenegger says you are one ugly son, you know, the audience went nuts in, in predator, you know, so she gets that. And I, and in a way, I think she wishes that. Somehow I mean, it still uh, like I mean that.
0: you just brought back in my memory, you know, Arnold in Total Recall. Consider that a divorce. Yeah. I mean, exactly. yeah. Is, the people went, you know, the people went bananas or John McLean and Die Hard. Welcome to the party, pal. You know, yep. when you're sitting there with 120 people in a packed theater, you know, it's just an electric experience. I mean, it's equivalent for people who uh, love sports, you know, being at a sporting event, a yep. playoff game, and a football game, or a World Series uh, game, you know, the electricity is unsurpassed by the experience that you're currently enjoying. And it's always a lot more fun with people. Yeah, I want to just bring up one story I was reading. This has nothing to do with anything on this show other than it's a cool movie-related story. Back in 1978, Mike, when uh, they were cultivating uh, the casting of Animal House, the producers Mm -hmm. wanted Donald Sutherland, right, in that movie. So they said, we'll give you (laughs) $35,000 and and 2.5% of the gross, uh, gross box office. And he said, no, I want more money. So they wanted him, and they come back, and they say, we'll give you uh, $50,000 and 15% of the gross, which was $140 oh million. And he said no, and he took a standard salary. Oh, I think a my gosh, bu- a, Donald. Couple bucks, a couple bucks more than $50,000, bu- and he passed on making $15 million wow. because he wanted a flash fee wow well i mean when i read when i read that i thought that was actually a really cool story there's got to be a ton of those stories out there though
1: absolutely hindsight's 2020 of course right uh, uh, who would who would have thunk it he's thinking these maniacs from national lampoon making an idiot movie on no you know with no budget let me get it you know what could possibly go wrong how could it possibly make money and he couldn't he couldn't have been more wrong i know you have um i know you have some uh this day movie news and, and and this day in history kind of stuff before we get to that Mm-hmm. A couple of actors uh, from our youth and, and even closer passed away this past week. Let's start with Ryan O'Neal, who died at the age of 82 years old. Um, obviously, didn't have a big movie career. Love Story was huge, of course. Paper Moon with his daughter. Um, yes, but but was it was really a movie star without making a lot of movies? He married Farrah Fawcett. Had an interesting career. You know, the first movie I thought of when when he passed was, believe it or not, the main event with Barbara Streisand. But you know, he never had that huge I'm an action star. I'm in front of the top of the title and I'm a big, you know, big movies making big money. Um, but for somehow, you you mentioned his name, really good looking guy. Yeah, uh, married that, the that was his and, and to me, when I, I remember him in a bridge too far growing up. Yeah, you know, with that all star cast, he would pop out, and even a stupid little movie like Chances Are with Robert Downey Jr. where he's very young. good movie, actually. Yeah, very yeah. good
0: movie.
1: So a weird career, but yet a movie star without being in a lot of movies.
0: Yeah, I mean, I remember he did a TV show on NBC that me and my wife used to like it. Oh, I think it only lasted one season. I don't recall the name of it. It had Alyssa Silverstone as the lead. I thought he was good in that.
1: Oh, that was Mismatch.
0: Mismatch. Mismatch. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was a fun show. Uh, When I think about Paper Moon, I got to tell you, Mike, I think about uh, his bond and his performance with his daughter, uh, Tatum. And that was one of the great child performances of all time. She had tremendous. We talk about this. You know, her performance in this film and The Bad News Bear, she had immense, immense. She had Macaulay Culkin-like talent as a child actor. She was great in those movies. And he was also, you know, really good. But I think his connection to Farrah Fawcett kept him in the limelight. His, his, yep. his career never really materialized, uh, you know, in the later half of his life. But, you know, he passed, and we certainly remember him.
1: And then the other um, actor who died much younger um, at 61 is Andre Brower, who, I mean, first time I saw him, obviously, was glorious. First role ever. First movie ever. And Ed's Wick had a nice tweet over the week about his uh, performance in that. Um, But here's a guy that worked consistently in the movies. And then, of course, did Homicide Life on the Street for, you know, 98 episodes and most recently very very funny turn on Brooklyn Nine Nine. He's hysterical as the captain on that show, 150 episodes or so with uh, Adam Sandler, uh, Adam Sandler,
0: and then he co-starred opposite um, uh, David Morse Hack for two seasons back. In he did,
1: uh, yeah, 2000, yeah. Uh, but uh, you know, he he did a, a ton of movies, including he was uh, the the doomed captain on the new Poseidon Chuck.
0: He was. I think they cut a lot of his role out of that film when wolfgang peterson decided to edit the movie to a pulp i know there was a scene that homaged the original film uh where he was uh showing the kid the, the uh the the uh the bow of the ship uh right. that was never in the final product that was in the stills and i know it was cut out but listen he had a unique voice he yep. was a unique oh and also the mist he was terrific the in the mist right yeah he was
1: really good in the mist yeah yeah, yeah. Real yeah. good in the mist and uh, even frequency too, right? He's I think he's a yes. pop that helps uh, Dennis Quaid and frequency. He's good in that. Uh, yeah, very good character actor. Um, striking distance, primal fear earlier on, but really showed his comedic chops. I you know I don't know if you're a fan of Brooklyn Nine Nine with Andy Samberg, but it, he really was funny on that show, playing a gay captain straight as an arrow uh, on the force. <laughs> uh, it's really funny stuff. Uh, and it's a shame only sixty one is short. Um, illness and uh, was a big stage. Well, actually, actually, actor it came, as
0: well. It, actually, it came out. They initially reported it was a short illness, but what, what, what? He was diagnosed, like, I believe, a few months ago with lung cancer, and it was a quick death, which is horrible. Oh, so, it's, uh, yeah, it's a heart. real bummer. Sixty-one years old, a, a, a solid talent, uh, yeah. and by by all uh, accounts, a really good guy. All right,
1: what do you got for us now, as far as this day in history?
0: I got three big ones. Uh, speaking of Poseidon, December 12, nineteen seventy-two, the Poseidon Adventure. Was released uh, in New York City. Uh, shot Not on. Not familiar the with body. it. Any
1: good? Any good? Uh, I never. It's very it, good. I've
0: spoken about this a, a few times <laughs> on, on this show. Uh, I originally saw it at the Avalon Movie Theater in Brooklyn, New York. It changed my life in terms of. Uh, it became my all-time favorite film. I still remember opening up a newspaper and seeing the print ads. I, even you know when I see an old one on Facebook, you see mm-hmm. the nostalgic stuff. I, I still get goosebumps uh, mm-hmm. looking at that ad. Uh, And then you got um, uh, this uh, this week, uh, 1974, The Towering Inferno opened in theaters, Irwin Allen's follow up to the Poseidon adventure. You know, you could argue uh, pound for pound, maybe the greatest disaster movie ever made in terms of epic scope. It got it all right. Maybe the greatest star pairing of all time. in Paul Newman and Steve McQueen, they bring Jennifer Jones out of retirement. One of the great death scenes where the audience literally gasped. Mike, cause it was, it felt almost cruel, but Erwin Allen liked doing that to shock the audience. Towering Inferno. where did you see that movie? Do you remember? I saw it at the Sherman.
1: In fact, I remember seeing, um, airport 75 at the yeah. Sherman.
0: Wow. Uh, in, in, and, in, 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 Pennsylvania, by the way.
1: No, 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 not, not the Sherman. I'm sorry. My bad. What? Cross Bay Boulevard at the Cross Bay in 1974. Okay. Uh, yeah. I remember seeing the Sherman. Yeah, I saw a few movies there in uh, Stroudsburg. But yeah, I was four years old. I remember uh, going in to see Airport 75 in October and seeing the movie poster for Dad. What is this thing coming out for Christmas? And it was the poster for the Towering Inferno. Um, so just imagine that uh, while we were watching Earthquake and and uh, Airport 75. We, we were waiting for the towering inferno coming out a few months later uh, i see i saw them all there i mean talk about the genre exploding chuck that was that might have been the peak the pinnacle of the genre there just those four months of these movies are out this one's coming out and away we go
0: uh listen i have tremendous memories how excited i was i couldn't wait You know, know, a little kid, I I don't even know what's going on in the world, but Mm -hmm. I just was hooked on those disaster movies Mm -hmm. like you. And I thought that movie delivered in Spain. What's interesting about the Towering Inferno, and we've spoken about this before, it feels even though it was the highest grossing movie of 1974, even though it was nominated for Best Picture, even though it's a flawless disaster movie with an amazing star pairing, uh, tremendously exciting, the effects, all practical, still to this day amazing. It's a forgotten movie, Mike. Tell me why. I think it's, I don't think it's forgotten. I yeah, think it is. If you, no, if you I, ask I, almost anybody under the age of 30, they never heard
1: of it. Well, I think that's just a problem of, of moviegoers. Now, I think the bigger problem is the fact that the genre itself is almost poo-pooed upon the fact that it's, there's no meat or merit to, oh, and they lump the towering inferno into everything else that came out. And they're like, oh yeah, those stupid disaster movies. Instead of realizing, well, there was, you know, like we're saying, these stupid comic book movies, there were some great comic book movies and there's a reason why the genres lasted. So with the same yes. thing is that there's a reason why the disaster movie in the seventies lasted until late seventies, early eighties, because of this film here, all the credit, you know, the birth is beside an adventure, mm-hmm. the, 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 you know, but the godfather of all the movies is the towering inferno and I mainly because agree. of the budget, the stars and all that stuff. You know, um, I don't know, forgotten. I just think people kids these days they don't see movies in the 70s anyway um let alone something of this quality uh it, it's just i don't know i don't think it's forgotten but maybe i'm maybe i'm too close to it maybe you're right i don't know uh uh but, but i'm looking at the movie poster right now in
0: in the room i'm doing this podcast in so uh, i got i got one i got one more which is a big one you know in *Towering inferno 74 and then, and you have movies like joy's in 1975, and star wars in 77 and close encounters uh, the, uh, the the same year, but then a year later, 1978, this week, December 15th, 1978, 45 years ago, Superman, the movie, mm. opens in theaters. Here's my re- here's my memory. I saw it. I waited online with a couple friends, a uh, long line. I saw it at the Kingsway in Brooklyn, New York, and when I'm sitting in the third row, I couldn't wait, and the movie delivered in spades. I love every aspect of it. And when the credit, when this, when the credits opening credits roll, and you see the mock, you see the the the, the curtains in the film opening like a movie. Mm-hmm. It was so well done. The introduction of how they did that film. You get Marlon Brando is jor who gets top billing. Gene Hackman is Lex Luthor who gets second <laughs> billing, and then introducing Christopher Reeve, an unknown, who was absolutely born to play the role of Clark Kent and Superman. Mike, first up. Uh, uh...
1: First movie I saw at the Stroud mall was that movie. Uh, tell me you just, remember
0: what you were tell me what we were you feeling watching that film you
1: uh, exhilaration and and you're bearing the lead about the opening credits, maybe the best opening credit sequence still in movie history and that's John Williams score and it took oh, its time. Amazing. Every star yep. gets their own, you know, uh, screen time and 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 you get the whole opening Superman march and you're right, the curtains with the Warner Brothers and it starts and all that. It's just oh, phenomenal. It's and I don't remember as an eight year old or at, at the time, I mean, I, I don't remember fifty, 50, 45 years ago, but, mm-hmm. um, I don't remember as an eight year old ever being bored and the movie, the movie now it, it runs long. It's, but, and there's not a lot of action to it. Superman two clearly has more action to it, but my gosh, the maybe the single best origin story superhero movie ever made. And I, I will say that till the day I die, you can, I, all these iron mans and captain Americas and all that. stuff that's great. They're good. But the single most hit every note that you'd want in an origin story, um, how he met Lois Lane, the beginnings of uh, Lex Luthor, uh, the great reveal at the end when he takes his wig off. Uh, It just uh, it it, to me.
0: Tell tell me if you're on the same page here. Tell me the most powerful scene in that film.
1: In the original Superman, to me, the most powerful scene to me is when Valerie Perrine saves Superman. That's that's she, close. She wants her. She want. She wants, She
0: doesn't want her mom to die. There's, yeah, great you know, scene. Great scene yeah, hack, when, he, she, it, when she takes she
1: from Hackensack. Yes, Hackensack. Yeah. When
0: she takes off the Kryptonite, great scene. Yeah. But here's a, a, a scene for me that's even more powerful. When the young Clark Kent oh. discovers who he is. Yeah. And he's in the cornfield. with the glaring John Williams music and the Richard Donner sweeping direction of the overhead shot of the cornfield when he says to his grandmother that he has to leave. And they embrace is an iconic moment in superhero movies, which shows you, Mike, that in 78, despite the fact they didn't have the CGI and all the money in the world to spend, they could still make moments of immense power. And that was an immensely powerful moment that's one of the most iconic to me of any movie uh, released in a decade, and especially of any superhero movie of, of all time.
1: We're actually going to talk about it a little bit more because of the different people that have played Superman. But to me, the best moment in one or two is when uh, Superman saves Lex Luthor and he goes, "Oh, thank God, Superman, thank <laughs> God. <laughs> no, get him.
0: watch yeah, and and you see the the, uh, the, the newspapers, the daily Planet. You know, in the wind, because they don't show Superman, but you know he's on his way because his speed is great in wind. And yeah. the super, uh, the newspapers are ruffling. He has a great sequence.
1: And kudos, uh, all due respect to uh, Michael Shannon, Terrence Stamp, maybe one of the all-time greatest uh, superhero villains. And Superman 2 is, you know, it's like you know, it's it's much like um, Godfather one and two, hard to separate the two. It's all one movie. To I agree. Me. You know, it's all one. And like Halloween one and two, it's all mm-hmm. one movie. Superman one and two. Great. I agree. All right. Well, I mean, we could segue right into our topic as we wind things down on this show is, you know, Wonka, Timothy Chalamet, the, the, the unenviable uh, movie role of having to reprise what Gene Wilder did. It almost makes you just it's almost blasphemous. Let's start with Superman, Chuck, and go through. I came up with the 10 characters that have been played by multiple people. Uh-huh. We tell us, we, let's decide on who was the best and who was the worst. And we could start with Superman and easily say who is the best, but let's not forget all the others that came along who did play Superman at one time. And of course you start with Christopher Reeve to me. Oh, don't forget about uh, George Reeves too, right? Who uh, was really good. Yeah. On the TV show. Then you had Brandon Ruth who did that one uh, with uh, Kevin Spacey. And I thought uh, he was good. He was decent. Uh, Dean Cain played him on TV, right? So did Tom mm-hmm. Welling both played yes. him on television. Uh, Henry Cavill. Is- Yes, it's no bad there. They're all good. No. Uh, and 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 uh, kudos to uh, uh, Channing Tatum, who also played him in the Lego movie as well. But it's easy to pick out Christopher Reeve. I guess Brandon Ruth only because of uh, the forgetfulness
0: of that movie. If you were going to rank good or bad. Yeah, I mean, I guess you could go in that direction. He the, the problem with the Superman Returns with Brandon Ruth is not him because he's quite good in the film. Listen, he looked like Christopher Reeve if the movie feels like they're trying to do a homage, Brian Singer directed it, to what Richard Donner did in part one and two. The, the issue with that film is that it, uh, is, it's elongated. It's it's somewhat plodding. Some of it's good. Some of it's not. Kevin Spacey is way too mean-spirited for me as Lex Luthor. And when he stabs yeah. Superman in the back with Kryptonite, I have a hard time watching that scene. It's cringeworthy, to be honest with you. Uh, and- it's like a two and a half out of four star movie. It's not bad. But it's just not good enough. Well, it's
1: like much like Willy Wonka, Christopher Reeve is Superman, so it's hard for a. Uh, and all
0: due respect, and, and, and we both agree, Christopher. And uh, listen, I, I, I think uh, I like
1: Henry Cavill too. I think yeah, he's really I, good. I like I Henry
0: Cavill a lot. I think yeah. I would have loved to see more standalone Henry Cavill Superman movies. But Christopher Reeve was born to play that role. Uh, he was at the right place at the right time, and Superman the movie was at the right place in our culture, Mike, in the year nineteen seventy-eight. All the stars aligned for that movie to be great and memorable and iconic. And it was all there. So Christopher Reeve uh, well, would and, be both our pick.
1: And all due respect to Tyler Hoechlin. I have not seen the Superman and Lois new show that came out a couple years ago. It's streaming. He, he's somewhere. fine.
0: He's fine. I, I watch a, I've watched a little of it. Obviously, I, I don't talk about it much because I don't watch it religiously, but he's fine. I mean, listen, all these actors are good and, and bring their own intangible to the table. It's just said, like Christopher Reeve uh, did it at the right place in the right time. And he's he's easily my number one.
1: A tough place to find maybe your favorite, who's the best and who's not, is another superhero And that Spider-Man. He got, remember the TV series, Nicholas Hammond played him way back. It was at the late 70s yeah. on TV. Uh, Tobey Maguire, mm-hmm. Andrew Garfield, and Tom Holland, obviously, or yeah, the three we'd we'd have to pick from, and of course they made the the uh, the movie together, the last one. And let's not forget Chris Pine and Jake mm-hmm. Johnson are really good in the Spider Verse movies that are out. They're, they're very highly entertaining animated films. I mm-hmm. really love. With the third one on its way, mm-hmm. but if you're gonna do worse, I guess it would have to be Nicholas Hammond only because of the production value on Spider Man movies there. But if you're gonna pick the best Spider Man, mm-hmm. it's a tough choice, Chuck, because it's a tough Holland choice. Cap- the age better than yes. anybody
0: else. But for me, Tobey Maguire habit- always had the most depth. Yes, I agree. I, I agree. I agree with you, pick. I, I The analogy is correct. Uh, Tom Holland captures the age. Feel, it feels like a comic book when when you're watching him. But uh, I, I just feel for me, because especially because Spider-Man 2, directed by Sam Raimi, is the best Spider-Man movie ever made. And it's right there uh, on the cusp of the greatest superhero movie ever made. The sadness, the weight that Tobey Maguire brought to his Peter Parker in that film gives it relevance for me. And right. I would pick him as number one. Having said that, Tom Holland's a very close uh, number two.
1: And uh, and I will also say the newfound respect, especially in the last film, and the buzz that Andrew Garfield. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that last, that last film, film gave
0: him, that last film elevated him as Peter pa- Parker, Spider-Man. I, I totally agree with that.
1: All right. A lot of people have played Batman, probably much more than we really think about. If you go back to the TV, so really black and white, early TV with Lewis Wilson and Robert Lowry. But of course, you you had Adam West do the TV series in color. And then Michael Keaton, Val Kilmer, George Clooney, Will Arnett, the animated one, Kevin Conroy, Christian Bale, and Ben Affleck. This one might be the toughest That's to decide. Tough. Uh, I will always side with Christian Bale, but I think it's quality of movie ba- more than um, Actual Batman uh, ben, ben Affleck I like Michael I like Michael Keaton a lot And Val Kilmer But to me, when you're thinking of Nolan's Batman That's why I would lean Christian Bale But I could probably talk out of it
0: And George Clooney would be the worst
1: Batman If we're going to pick the worst
0: Yeah, I mean, because he's in the worst movie Batman and Robin Good actor, obviously Yeah, he's a great actor uh, yes, yes. It, It's just not the right tone Here, Here's the thing I could argue strong points for a lot of the Ben Affleck, I thought, did gr- great work uh as as Batman in, in Batman v Superman. I really, I really liked him a lot. Um I love Christian Bale because I love those movies. So he'd be right there. But I, I'm gonna slightly pick Michael Keaton simply because of this. In my multiverse, in my mind, mm-hmm. when I'm Bruce Wayne Batman, I see myself like <laughs> Michael Keaton as slightly schizophrenic, right? Where I think Michael Keaton's Batman doesn't really know I mean, he's Bruce Wayne. I don't think he really knows he's Batman. I don't think his Batman knows he's Bruce Wayne. It almost is like two different split person, split personality uh, persona, uh, and that's why I like his characterization. It's a lot of it's in the eyes, and I I was always a big fan of Michael Keaton, uh, leading up to Tim Burton's Batman. So I would go with Keaton, but I think Christian Bale and Ben Affleck are very close. I would go um, Keaton. Chuck Bale, Chuck's opinion. Chuck's
1: opinion Absolutely. is, uh, means more in this category than mine. I will say that I will cede that to you because Thank of you. your passion for that genre and that series. Um, so let's go to the other side of it. The best, uh, foe of Batman in the Joker. Also difficult too, cause I know, I know your fondness of the, the recent Joker film with Joaquin Phoenix. We had Cesar Romero, of course, the infamous TV role, uh, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger won an Oscar, Jared Leto, who probably will? Uh, be uh, the he's worst. the worst. He's yeah. the worst.
0: That's not the Joker. Whatever that incarnation of David Ayer and Suicide Squad with uh, Jared Leto is just, just for me is just not the Joker. I don't know what that is, but it's not the Joker.
1: And then honorable mention to Mark Hamill, who uh, had a second career as the voice of the of, of the Joker on the Batman uh, animated series. So who would be the best? I by default is it Jack? Uh, I I have more fondness for Cesar Romero growing up, but is it just Jack or do you give it to Joaquin?
0: Or Heath Ledger. I mean, people rave about, that. and he was fantastic in The Dark Knight. Th- well, this is this is uh, you know, there's been moments in my life where I've had confliction, uh, and I've I've stayed up nights for a weekend trying to make a decision. This is a tough one. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I'm gonna, as much as I love Nicholson and I love Nicholson as a Joker in Tim Burton's Batman, and I love Joaquin Phoenix in Joker. I- I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Heath Ledger because I think he's scary. Um, I think he's scary and his intensity, uh, carries a day in the dark night. So I'm going to, I'm going to go. And it's a great film. Um, the,
1: the, the scene that does it for me is the pen in the hand and you're like, oh crap, this Joker means business. Yes. Um, right. He means yeah. business. And, and, uh, and, and, and he, Jack never really had that moment. He's more, he, he's not scary at all. You know, he's not, he, he's Jack, you know, um, Here's one for you, Chuck. How about Star Wars, Anakin Skywalker? David Prowse obviously donned the uh, costume. James Earl Jones is the voice. You had Sebastian Shaw, who's the actor when the mask comes off. Hayden Christensen, Jake Lloyd, Spencer Wilding, and James Earl Jones in the later trilogy as well. Um, I will say this. Whoever was wearing the costume in Rogue One at the end of that film might have been the best Darth Vader of them all because of how scary he was in that one scene at the end. Great scene.
0: But David, I
1: mean, James Earl Jones is Darth Vader, correct?
0: Yes, 100%. I mean, I, 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 when you started to ask me this question, I was wondering in my mind, are you serious? Um, <laughs> is James Earl Jones, hands down? And the worst would be Jake Lloyd. All due respect to
1: Jingle All the Way, the child actor probably wasn't ready to be Anakin Skywalker.
0: Uh, probably not. Having said that, I don't have the massive hate for Phantom Menace that a lot of people do. I do. I think it's a great film. No, do I think it's a good film? Ah, not really, but do I think it's a an unwatchable movie? No, I think it's a very watchable movie. And listen, a lot of child actors Get ragged on um but they're child actors. Yeah. Now I, he, listen, he's I'm, not the I'm, problem. I'm that, of, no, he's
1: not. He's not the problem of that movie. And here's a difficult one too, Chuck. Um Tell Jack me. Ryan. Obviously started with Alec Baldwin in The Hunt for October. I know you're not a huge fan of that movie, but then Harrison Ford, John Krasinski, Chris Pine, and don't forget Ben Affleck in a really good *Sum of All Fears* movie directed yeah. by Philip Noyce. Um, the best Jack Ryan, and Chris Pine, the that Jack Ryan movie is pretty darn good too. The best yeah. Jack Ryan, the worst. I hate, you know, John
0: I don't Pisceschi's, think it's the worst.
1: There's no, there's
0: no, there's worst. no worse, I mean, right? I'm gonna They're go with Harrison. I'm gonna role. go with Harrison Ford as the best.
1: Yeah, he's just to me, and I I did read the books. He's probably too old for the role, but mm-hmm. the movies that he made, I loved if you read the books and the casting itself, John Krasinski is probably the most perfect casting, but if you watch the series, he becomes almost superhuman in that series as well, which has been big criticism with the, I mean, he's a computer nerd and yeah. he's a, you know, he's an action star on the TV and, and on the big screen. Yeah, um,
0: I mean, I thought Alec Baldwin played it really interesting in the hunt for red. It would have been interesting to see what would have happened if he just stayed in the role. Yeah. Why, why he didn't makes no sense whatsoever. You know, I'll tell you a quick story. I'm a big fan. I love Clear and Present Danger, right? Yeah, it's a great movie. But I remember when you telling me to go see Patriot Games, I didn't see oh, it in the theater. Love it. Right? Love it. This is when we when I, when I, we were good buddies and you worked at a video store uh, many moons ago in a galaxy far, far <laughs> oh, 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 away. I remember I bought Patriot Games on Laserdisc. Oh. Off your recommendation. And you I bought it blind, it. huh? Yeah, I did. And then when the movie was over, I took the Laserdisc and I chucked it out the window. <laughs> I didn't like it. <laughs> All right, uh, let's run
1: through these real quick. Uh, how about James Bond, Chuck? Uh, you and I always talk about the fondness for Roger great. Moore this growing This is a up. great
0: category. It's a great category. This is a good subject.
1: Sean Connery, uh, Pierce Brosnan, George Lansby, uh, Timothy Dalton, Daniel Craig, a lot of mm-hmm. recent credit, and Roger Moore, of course. Uh, well,
0: listen, I, I've stated many times I was partial to Roger Moore because I grew up with him as 007. But if you put a gun to my head, I, I'm going to have to go with Connery because it's Sean Connery and the guy is simply well and an iconic gets, human being.
1: He is, but here's the problem. He gets all the yep. credit because he started it, right? Let's mm-hmm. let's face it. And he and he's great. He's the epitome of cool. No doubt about it. He 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 is James Bond. Especially in great. that decade. Yes. But if you're looking at the, you know, overall memories and action movies, and you know what Bond does in these films, I give a lot mm-hmm. of credence to Pierce Brosnan. I thought he was very underrated. I thought the movies he were he was in at the time he resuscitated the genre. Let's face it, that thing was dead until he came on and Goldeneye came out, and he was able to make four or five. Real good movies for uh, Cubby Broccoli and made a lot of money. All due respect to Timothy Dalton, we thought he had his merits. Well, as well, but the best is
0: very interesting. But he, the best movie, revived the franchise completely. He
1: he did, and but the best movie is Skyfall, and it's not even close. And I I know Daniel Craig and, and. no time to die. He's really good in it too. I, I'm not, I'm still not sure why they ended that movie the way they felt they needed to. It still doesn't make any sense to me. I,
0: I think that was a Daniel Craig creative choice to be honest. I, I, I think you're I think probably was, right. I think, I think it was ill-advised. Uh, I, 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 especially listen, you're e- you either, when you do that, you either be conclusive on what you're doing or you don't. And they chose not to be conclusive, yeah. which is a massive mistake. Yep. Yeah. And, and, and
1: uh, I think what it comes down to though, is where you grew up. And if you grew up in our age group, it, it's hard to say Roger Moore's not your favorite. The best, you're right. It's probably Sean Connery. I, it, um, although going back and watching The Doctor Knows and The You Only Live Twice, and all, I mean they're good, not great. Now the only to me the only great uh, there's two great uh, Connery ones, and that's Goldfinger mm-hmm. and Diamonds Are Forever. All the other ones, I mean, don't get me wrong. I I don't want to disparage it. It just they don't hold up as well as people think they hold up.
0: How about no, that? No, but here, here's the listen: the the overall James Bond franchise, the majority of the disposable entertainment. Mike, no, they are, they are. I they mean, are. listen, you get Skyfall, which we both believe, and a lot of people believe, is the greatest James Bond movie ever. It's a perfect Bond close. film. It's not even okay. Close. And then you get some really good ones by each actor but a lot of them are just disposable entertainment what? that are extremely flawed
1: they're all and they're all connected the dot episodes you get this in the beginning you get the opening credit sequence you get the bad guy boom boom i mean you, all the elements are there all the gadgets and they're not really changing the formula the formula always stays the same all right and, two and more again uh, go ahead, go ahead. two more um uh, mm-hmm. and we'll save uh, the one for the holidays in a second dracula mm-hmm. chuck who's the one dracula that pops to your mind. You know, you got the Christopher Lee's of the world. You got the, uh, Gary Oldman's of the world. Now is Dracula, Dracula
0: or a vampire. I would say Dracula. Okay. Cause I would, now, I know, know who our favorite Chris, vampire yeah, is. He, Chris Sarandon from *Fright yeah, Night is our favorite yeah. vampire,
1: but just Dracula overall. I mean, cr- to me, Christopher Lee pops to mind, uh, because of the, I, when that movie came out, uh, or even Frank Langella a little
0: yeah, bit. Yeah, Frank Langella, listen, that movie's not a great movie, uh, Dracula, the movie, but Frank Langella was really good as, as Dracula in that film. And then you had, uh,
1: you know, obviously the Bella Lugosi growing up. It was, you know, Abbott and yeah, Costello I got, meets Frankenstein.
0: I, I'm going to go with Bella G- Lugosi because he, he put that character on the map. Very interesting actor. These guys, you know, he didn't make a lot of money to play that role. Uh, he was a very interesting person off screen. So I I would go with him. How
1: about to me? I'm going to go with George Hamilton because love at first bite is one of the more underrated movies of the seventies, hysterical movie, movie. Dracula in New York city. I mean, come Mm -hmm. on. Uh, and we'll, we'll end with this one, Chuck, since it is the holiday season. When you say Scrooge,
0: who do you think of? I'm going to make the assumption. You think I'm thinking of Bill Murray. Well, um, no, I'm not going to
1: say that. No, I, 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 knew you'd bring him
0: up, but I think there's probably someone else because more traditional. For, okay, for, for me, for me, it's Albert Finney, right. uh, in a, in a Christmas Carol. Um, I'm a big fan of that film, and I loved Albert Finney. And uh, even though you can't understand everything he's saying in that movie, <laughs> uh, his, his his dance number, thank you very much. I thought it was uh, uh an awesome sequence. I, I'll I'll favor Albert Finney. I mean, I, I think. You know, Frank Cross, Bill Murray's Scrooge uh, has become a, a, a film like a fine wine. It's gotten better uh, on a, a generational uh, a decade by decade viewing. Um, it, it's, it's, an, it's pretty interesting.
1: Patrick Stewart is also a great Scrooge as well. More recently, Michael Caine, remember, played Scrooge yeah. in The Muppet in the Muppet Christmas Carol. Uh, I also remember growing up probably and, and, and uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but Henry Winkler played Scrooge on TV. Uh, in a big, oh, yeah, he, he the Fonz at the time, and they made a big. T- yeah. So maybe he would go down as the worst Scrooge
0: of all time. I don't know. I'd have to rewatch it, but you know, it's interesting. I read an article or a quote by somebody last week, and it said about the character of Scrooge. He said, "I guess you have to be uh, uh, a very rich, miserable human being to really discover the meaning of Christmas." <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, there's we know one thing. There's a lot of Scrooges in our in the news right now who maybe need to watch the movie. Uh, I agree. Some things in this world would change. All right, Chuck. Good topic. Good discussion. We'll do it next week.
0: Thank you very much, Mike, to the listening audience. Thank you very much. Thanks for listening to Movie Moments with Chuck Curry and Mike Rags. Download and listen to an archive show or be sure to subscribe to our podcast on Spotify, Apple, or wherever
1: you listen to podcasts to hear our new episode.